This is another iRaw podcast. He fulfilled everything that I thought that I wanted in my life, that I was lacking in my life. And it was all rolled up in this beautiful, you know, sad in the beginning, you know, you know, he's just like the classic rescue dog. My name is Katya and this is The Animal That Changed You. I believe loving an animal is one of the most accessible, most available portals for self-healing in the whole world. It's my privilege to encourage you to open your heart to animals and challenge you to deepen your compassion just a little bit more. Welcome to The Animal That Changed You. I am recording this to you guys with Goldberg, my foster dog. His head is on my head. I am literally talking to you all, hi friends, with Goldberg on me. I don't think he's going to give me any more space. And that's okay. That's okay. Hi, buddy. Want to say hi to everyone? Have I ever told you guys my favorite things to do with your dog? Like for bonding and just for fun for them. So it's like stimulating and they don't spend all their life like waiting for you to grab that leash for a walk and otherwise staring at the walls. Are you using lick mats? I love lick mats. I love a good lick mat. Just uh, put some dog wet food on there or yogurt. I like plain or Greek. Applesauce sometimes I use. Dog peanut butter, peas, carrots. You can just like make a whole thing out there. Now he's playing with my hand. Can you hear him? What's up, Goldberg? I like a lick mat. And if you have multiple dogs, make sure you separate them or keep an eye on them. You don't want them fighting. What else do I like to do? Uh, Hide and seek. Are you playing hide and seek with your dogs? Literal hide and seek. Make it easy for them at first. You hear him growling? So they know what the game is before you like go into another room and shut yourself in a closet. That might be too much. But that's such a great way for them to just use their nose. There's beautiful sense of scent. Sense of scent? Is that right? Sense of smell. And um, and track you and find you and use their brain. What else do I like to do with my dogs? Kongs, bully sticks. I tend to use those in a crate when I'm gone. Pair my absence with something really fun. Sometimes my dogs look at me like, are you leaving? So I can get that thing I want, which I really appreciate. Talk about having boundaries. And what else do I like to do? Walks, yeah, okay, we know. Sniff ventures for sure. Go somewhere you've never been and just let them sniff. Thanks for shaking out right next to me, dude. I'm recording something. My God. All right, I'll think of more stuff. That's that's some stuff I just wanted to share with you because this young, strapping, handsome lad that I have right now needs a lot of stimulation and fun and interaction and games and, you know, he's putting me to task. Speaking of dogs... Rescue dogs, foster dogs, all wonderful dogs. Um, We have Lori Weiss here today from Downtown Dog Rescue. No big deal, just one of, like, I would say definitely role models and I'd like to think mentors. Lori, can I say that about you? Really happy she's on the show. Goldberg's obviously very happy she's on the show because he won't leave me alone. Do you hear him shaking? And I'm so happy you're here too. Okay, Lori Weiss, you are here. Founder of Downtown Dog Rescue, almost 25 years now that it's been around. And not just Downtown Dog Rescue, the rescue that saves lives, the the animals, which is what we do it all for, but also Downtown Dog Rescue that provides resources to help low-income families and their pets to keep families together. You have a shelter intervention program, Pet Resource Center on Skid Row, a pet support space in South LA. You do community dog clinics. You've been honored by the city of Los Angeles, found animals, have done all these partnerships with ASPCA and best friends. You're a national speaker on community programs for animals. 
your whole platform is about keeping pets in homes with families. And you were the first person to help me really identify that it's not an overpopulation problem. It's a poverty problem. Nobody wants to talk about this being a socioeconomic injustice, but it is. You were the first person who told me that we have to task people to make an investment in their animals, no matter how small in order for them to have buy-in and care. So you've changed my mindset and I'm so happy you're here to help change other people's mindset in how we look at the shelter problem and just animals in general. I'm so happy you're here. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I like, I'm not a person that likes to be photographed and all that. So, but I really wanted to do this with you, Katya. Thank yeah. you for saying that, Lori. I was like, I'm going to keep my geek out minute brief because she she's not going to want me to go on and on. This no. is she. <laughs> she is not here for that. I'm not. No. I'm not the, yeah, no, no. I'm not. not your not your jam. Not my jam, not my style. Lori, when the last time you and I spoke, I remember that SIP, the shelter intervention program was going strong and you guys, I think, had just been like a couple years into the Skid Row Pet Resource Center. But I mean, I think that came before Pet Support Space in South Los Angeles, correct? Yes, correct. And I can't believe how much you've grown. And I would love to hear about everything Downtown Dog Rescue is doing, offering not only like pet food and medical vouchers, but also counseling for people. And real, real, real support for people who are challenged from, you know, don't have homes. But I also would love to know if you will share with us about the animal who changed you and how this all got started. Absolutely. Shelter intervention. How do I explain that? So we, our team, it's definitely not just me, have prevented more than 20,000 animals from entering the South LA shelter since 2013. And to say <laughs> to say that that was just like like something that just oh wow you know we have this formula or this method or whatever i can't really explain like how it's done but what i can say is from supporting the counselors mostly amanda casares and yesenia i realized that over time as we were changing so was the whole you know, the clients that would come or the people that were surrendering their animals, it got to be more and more that, and this had really absolutely nothing to do with us. This is a new generation. It's a more caring generation. It's a generation of pet owners that are in their twenties and thirties that had a pet co and a pet smart growing up. And it's not like when I started over 20 years ago. The idea that, you know, these heartless people are coming to the shelter looking to surrender their pets, they're really coming for resources, options, and a real game plan. And yeah. as the needs increase more and more, as word got out, like any, I always say with any good business, it's like word of mouth is your best advertising. For sure. People start coming to the shelter, not to surrender, but just to see Amanda. And, you know, and then it grew and grew. And then we realized it's like, we can't continue to have these like confidential conversations with people about domestic violence and just, you name it, we, we've seen it all. The real stuff. The real stuff. Yeah. This is like the pet, like we always say, and we still do is like the pet quote problem is the easy thing to address here. That's the easiest. I mean, we can get spay and neuter. We could even throw a bunch of money at your animal get it well, but if you still don't have a place to live, or if you still can't figure out how to manage your anger or whatever it is, and what's causing the anger and what, you know, how, like what's going on in your life that you got to this point. Okay. Absolutely. 
we opened a kind of COVID really, COVID forced us to do this because the shelter was closed and we really were kind of in a tailspin, like what, what do we do now? We sat up a table on the sidewalk, you know, that didn't really work. So I started like, as crazy as it sounds, like during the height of COVID, I was like looking to lease office space. So mm -hmm. there was a lot to look at, you know, a lot of places available. So I'm sure they were they were paying you to lease almost <laughs> yeah we got a very very cheap place in a very good location on florence close to the shelter mm -hmm. and we're still there and we found that not only is it beneficial to our clients it's just a whole lot better for our counselors you touched on something in the in the initial you know conversation when you were saying that about poverty so I, I would still agree with that, but as I in this longer and longer, poverty is is really the outcome of something that's even more important, which is trauma. And trauma is really it's a question I've been asking for myself. You know, I'm just like amazed with like observing people and things. And you'll wonder why does one family who has no money, seemingly no resources figure out how to do X, Y, and Z, and they're amazing, and they love their dog. And then sure. this lady over here has a job, has a car, and yet she won't drive over there to do this or whatever. And you want, you know, so you start internally, you start hating that person that won't do all these things. And you start making this hero and this like almost little angel family out of this other. So you're expecting everybody has to do this. Or if you don't want to drive, like we're doing this for free for you. You know, you won't drive five miles. You know, I look at things so differently now because I can't even get in the head of that person that says no, because maybe that person that says no, that's their whole world. Everything they do is no, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. You know, it's like, no, I know you, you just gave me a million dollars, but you know, it's just going to be a lot of problems for me to put it in the bank. You know, it's like, they can find a problem with everything. And then you just have people that are super resourceful and I love helping those people because that is such the thing that touches all of our hearts because we can actually help that person and it moves very quickly. Whereas with the pet support center it, or space, you're investing in somebody and you're having those deep conversations and you can say to somebody, okay, well, if you change your mind, we're here tomorrow. We're open six days a week. But you've always been so good at that. I remember talking to you back. In, I mean, South LA shelter will always have my heart because that's where yeah. I cut my teeth and met you and changed my, you know, the way I see the world, yeah. not only animals, but I remember you saying to me, even back then, you know, we, I remember us talking about that idea that, you know, these judgments, that these judgments we want to make how we treat animals says so much more about how we talk to ourselves too, <laughs> you know, like that there is more than just, you know, you follow that dog on a chain up to the house and there's something going on in that house. It's not about just the dog. You know, you've always been able, I feel like to stay in it for the long game. And I also remember you telling me that there were people who would come by your clinics and say, what are you doing? You'd say, I'll spay and neuter. And they'd say, I'm not going to neuter my dog. And you'd say, cool, when you're ready, we're here. And it would be six years or three years or whatever. And you'd befriend that person's mom or their sister or whatever. And then finally, years later, it's like, you're still here. Like I'm ready now. to. And I have always marveled at that ability to be in the long game, not just with animals, with everything, but animals require it. Yes, they do. And communities require it. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've 
talk to people that once they get to know me or know our counselors, they'll say, you know, I didn't trust you at first because you're just another person coming in, you know, with all this, you know, like we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So other organizations sometimes that, that come before you, or they've had an experience that clients had an experience and maybe it's not been the best experience. And maybe they're a great organization, but they just weren't a good fit. I mean, we've had clients, you know, we've had clients that would, you know, very, very upset with DDR going to report us and everything, but you know, it's just, that's, that's how it goes. You know, I mean, that's the nature of any work, right? There's people who like what you do and people who don't. Yeah. You touched on trauma and I think this time in my life more than, than any, I mean, I love stories and I'm a storyteller and that's really at the heart of everything I probably like you know obsessively do <laughs> that's what dogs are right these yes. these amazing shelter animals they're like these little stories yeah. but I guess at the heart of it all is this idea that I've been really thinking about a lot lately which you're kind of touching on when you mentioned trauma which is that we can't control the stories other people tell themselves but we can control the stories we tell ourselves and those stories will make us or break us hands like that's it hands down that's what's going to make or break our life And so to come into a community as like the savior, who's going to change your story is really not going to make a friend of anybody. No, no. And you really, I mean, when I say, you know, the collective you out there listening, I'm talking about me, you know, you really have to always check yourself and say, well, a couple of things that I constantly have done. And I think that's why I can do this so long is, am I doing this for me more for me? Or am I doing it more like to feel good or to feel something in me? Or am I doing this truly because I want to serve? And as the years have gone by, you know, I can look back and think, wow, you know, it's like, no wonder I was so frustrated because I didn't realize it at the time. Like so much of what I did in the beginning was really to fulfill a need in me to control things and to have a better outcome. And if only I could do this, this, and this, then this would be better. And can't everybody see my way? And, you know, I might not have voiced that, but those were the discussions going off in my head. Whereas now it's kind of like, if you watch, it's kind of like, well, doesn't she care? You know, cause she's just so like easy about like this person doesn't want to neuter your dog. Okay. You don't want to neuter your dog. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and beg you to do it or whatever. You're going to do whatever you want to do. And I'm okay with that. You know, I think so many people get burned out because they have this idea and this agenda, which is good, but you've, it's got to be fluid. It's got to be constantly changing and you have to change, meaning I had to change. And if you're expecting clients, friends, pet owners, whatever you're defining them as, they're changing. We ask them to change. What about us? Mm-hmm. You know, we have to change. So we have to understand a little more about where they're coming from and some of the things that they're going through. And I mean, from the very start, I've always felt like I can really identify to so many people. You do not need to be homeless to identify with somebody that's homeless. You don't need to be super, super poor. I mean, you can't be poor enough, you know, to sacrifice everything and be helpful to other people. You know, yeah. it's kind of a weird thing. I think in animal welfare, and I think a lot of nonprofits to talk about making money or to talk about wanting to do well in your own personal life, there has to be this idea of sacrificing and all this. And yeah, um, selflessness. Yes. And I'm not down with that. I feel like 
if you can't take care of yourself and really be happy in your own world, what are you doing? You know, well, yeah, we can't give what we don't have. Exactly. I mean, we can't. But isn't the idea, it's like, I want everybody to have a good job. I want everybody to have the job or the career, or whatever it is that they want, you know, regardless of how much it pays. But I don't think anybody that's truly living in extreme poverty, which a lot of our clients are where, you know, they have to really think about, you know, I, I won't be able to buy groceries the last week because I've run out of money and things like that. No one should have to live like that. No, I, but I agree. It is, it is a mindset. I was going to say, I'm not saying, oh, this person is thinking wrong and all you have to do is think positively or, or something like that. But it is in some cases, not every case, it is a generational mindset. Mm -hmm. So we have the opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to do this and this with your dog. And they see something that's very different than that, how they can navigate through their own, you know, personal world with their family or whatever. And it's a good feeling. All of us love to get stuff done. You know, you get, we do, we do. it's a great feeling. And I know <laughs> anybody that doesn't feel good about accomplishing a task and, you know, to hear somebody that, you know, is living outside that doesn't have a house and will say, you know, I'm really proud. I got my dog license. You know, I've had people say, you know, my dog has more degrees than I do. Like, you know, <laughs> finished high school or whatever it is, you know, everybody's got a story, but you know, that touches my heart to be just a little part of somebody's life like that. How do you deal Lori with the touching of the heart when it's too much? How do you deal with the touching of the heart when you're at Skid Row and there are people who you don't know how you're going to help or there's animals in really dangerous situations and I wish we could just go take them and but but it's does not our right and we you know we do not get to control the outcome for every human and every animal and it sucks but how I think most people turn away from that it's just hard to carry it and I'm wondering how you hold it how do you get that close and just accept well, I mean, this goes for not only Skid Row, I would say like some of the saddest situations that for me, it's like constant suffering is really the thing that really gets to me. And I think most people in animal welfare is a dog that's just sitting in a yard that has no human contact that yeah. is just covered in mange, you know, and when we were really growing the whole business of the, the free clinic, you know, quote, business of giving away things for free. <laughs> we spent years, years walking the same blocks and I would see the same dogs. And, you know, oftentimes I would make, I do make reports. We all make reports, but we give the people, you know, a lot of opportunities to make the changes. And um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, you know, but to answer the question is I look at it more like, I don't know, like a doctor, or an attorney or something like that. So I really want to know if I make, especially on Skid Row, where there are no boundaries, everybody's just living, you know, on the sidewalk or whatever. So if I make this move, what is that going to do to that person? Yeah. So it may appear that like, I'll give an example of say a woman that's living outside that has a dog and she has to keep the dog tied up a certain amount of hours a day. But then the rest of the time, the dog is like in her tent or whatever. It's like, who am I to judge? You know, I take that dog away. And that lady, I guarantee you, has PTSD, has been raped, has been attacked, sexually assaulted. 
what I'm getting at is it's it's so complicated. And even in a home situation where we would get these cases at the shelter and they're, they are, that's really heartbreaking is somebody either wants to report an animal that's being abused, but they don't do it because it's a neighbor and the neighbor they know will retaliate and set their house on fire or whatever it is like extreme. Yeah. It's not just, Oh, you know, they're going to block my driveway or something. No, this is, this is major stuff. It's stuff yeah. that the average person couldn't even dream up. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, at the shelter we've had where, you know, somebody's surrendering their pet because the neighbor or a family member wants to kill the pet. So they can't bring the pet home. And we agree with them. This is the best situation. So yeah. it's about setting up, you know, a dialogue where a person can very quickly feel that they can connect with you on some level and you can help them. But yeah, I mean, it sucks. I mean, I still think about situations from the past and things I couldn't do and, you know, but it doesn't like haunt me, you know, like I'm not, you know, thinking about it every day. And, and it's like, I've spent, I'll tell you, and I, I recommend this highly for everybody. I've spent years in therapy and recently spent a year and a half in um, commitment therapy. Wait a minute. Commitments. Uh, I can't even think of the, the acronym. For. <laughs> Anyways, it's an idea of dealing with trauma. Like where are you at today? which has been very helpful to me, but also for me to help other people. Where are you at today? And how does that past trauma affect where you are today? We're not going to go back in time. So there's really no need for me to know your whole story about like that you were beaten as a child. You didn't get to go to school. None of that matters. It's just what's going on today in your life. And what are two things that I could do? I'm standing right here. What could I do to help you make those changes? Like, what do you think? you know, pet owner, what do you think would greatly change your life right now? Is it $50? You know, I'm not opposed to giving people cash, you know, and people will say to me, well, how do you know they really use it on the dog? Or how do you, I don't, you know, I just mailed a check the other day to a lady that she's got to get these animals spayed and neutered. And her car thing came to 184.97 or something. I said, Hey, if you want to get your car fixed, send me the receipt, you know, get a, get an estimate and I'll mail you a check. And she did, and I did, and her car's fixed. But how do I know? She's, oh, what if she buys drugs with it? What if she does this with it? What if she buys more animals with it? I don't know. You know, I have a theory about all that, though. (laughs) I have a theory about people who ask those sorts of questions. First of all, fair questions. Yeah. When you send a money, when you send a check, when you send money to an organization in the mail or on the PayPal link, you don't know where that's going. Don't know. It could literally go to paying the copier fixing fees that's a and b i have a sneaking suspicion that there's an answer in the question that has very little to do with the other person and has much more to do with a confession of self i think we ask questions about things that we identify in ourselves. you know how do i know that money is gonna go i I usually answer with like have you taken money Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know because it it's such a strange assumption yeah yeah. Unless it's something in our own ether. Well, I, I think it goes so deep. I mean, that's a really good point and really interesting. I mean, it's a whole other, like, I could talk about that for hours. You know, it's like, <laughs> but I think it goes deeper. I think it's such a, a divide, you know, and it's only getting worse that people, even people that are very liberal, people that are very uh, wanting to help 
other people and really wanting to understand. They're willing to go so far, but they're not willing to do some things that really are going to bring them close because the reality is they don't want to get close. And you know what? I don't blame them because it's, it can be very depressing and it also can be very unsatisfying when yeah. you work, you know, like Amanda's an amazing counselor, but we have had cases where we have paid for orthopedic surgeries, done everything only to have the owner never come pick up the animal. Like what the hell? you know, and they get mad at us for calling them. You know, this is once in a blue moon. Usually this never happens, but it does happen. And you get so angry and so upset, like, like you were almost victimized. Like, how could I not see that coming? Like that lady, there were red flags. I saw those red flags, you know, and <laughs> we just love animals so much that we ignored the red flags. You know, it's like, look, you know, how are we going to know that? You know, so we have a new dog in our rescue that has a limp forever in its life. You know, and it's like, which one is this? Oh, I'm trying. This is this goes back. Oh, I'm, I'm in chickies. Because I'm always on the website looking no, around. No, no, we don't have any right now, but it, it, <laughs> happened. it happened a couple of times to us. And we just like are so baffled, like, you know, and you feel hurt and you because you don't realize you are getting so invested in this person's story. And I, and I learned this. Really, I spent a year at Salvation Army as a counselor, one day a week. And the very first day, one of the longtime counselors told me, you cannot want something more than they do. Okay, just remember that every time, every time, Lori, because, you know, I can see you're really putting a lot of effort into your lesson plans. <laughs> just, you know, it's like, because I wanted to like share with them all these ideas, you know, that I had and all this stuff. And then after a while, it's like, wow, you know, I started to hate some of the people because it's just like, hey, wait a minute, I spent all weekend on my lesson plan and you're not even listening, you know, hey, what's up with this, you know, by the end, I was just like, hey, I don't have a lesson plan today. Let's just talk. Let's just, you know, we got to know each other and it's just, it's more organic. It's just flows and it happens you know? Yeah. And it's like, but I had to learn, it was really mostly about me that, you know, I can't control the world, you know, because I just hate it's a miserable life. You know? I hate hearing that though. I mean, you're <laughs> right. Just keep telling me, Laura, you just yeah. have to keep saying it. So yeah. the it's one thing I will say is a lot of the things you're touching upon is like, I think why we love animals so much, why we why they can change us because not that we get some control. I believe animals have their own agency, but they sort of bypass all this power struggle we get with people and all the disappointment and all with an animal. Like we make an investment. We often see a return yes. in some way, even though it may not be everything we want. And I'm wondering if you agree and if you feel that, and do you have one animal that changed you or do you have several that you feel or are they all changing you all the time? I'm so curious about your answer just because of your tenure in this field. So I do agree with you. And I would say so complicated because I thought a lot about, you know, this interview and I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And I thought I've had literally thousands of animals. Technically right now, I, I have not had a dog. I don't own any animals. I don't have, I take care of some community cats at my factory, but the dogs, you know, it's just like, it's all the dogs that are in our rescue are my dogs, you know, but I would say, you know, a lot of people that have followed DDR know about Clancy. I'm going to say Clancy, the one and, and only. 
I would say, but if, you know, he affected me probably the most because he wanted to be able to explain this really well. He fulfilled everything that I thought that I wanted in my life, that I was lacking in my life. And it was all rolled up in this beautiful, you know, sad in the beginning, you know, you know, he's just like the classic rescue dog. You know, here's, I brought a picture of him so everybody can, can see his picture. So he was a big black dog and I didn't want him. And he certainly didn't want me. He tried to bite me the first time I met him and I had just lost my dog and my dog was an office dog, a street dog. And, but Sinbad died. So then uh, my friend, Kathy had found Clancy. And uh, it's interesting. I think back, you know, she couldn't catch him, couldn't catch him. And the whole time, like my Sinbad, who I love so much was dying. Clancy was walking around the neighborhood. And it's kind of like when Sinbad died, that's when Clancy got caught. So it was all like meant to be, you know, I love that. So it's really, I always think, God, it would make such a great movie. But I think back, it's like, why? Now that he's been gone, he died in 2013. And, you know, there never will be another dog like him. Nor do I ever need another dog like him, you know, because I don't need that anymore. Yeah. So what I was looking for, and I tried to find it in people for so long, is just this sense of security. You know, I look back and I think, you know, it's not like I had bad parents or anything like that. My parents really, really did the best they could, you know, and it's like they were very young when we were kids. My father is bipolar. They're both still alive. So if they hear this interview, it's you're not bad, you know, but um, I have to say it's like, you know, as a kid, as you get older, you realize your parents are either keeping you safe or they're not keeping you safe. And you get to a point around, I think mine was like 11 or 12, where you start to realize some of the decisions your parents are making are not good ones. And it's really not in your best interest. And as you get older and older, you feel less and less safe. So you start to, when I say you, I mean me, just kind of develop this, you know, I can do it on my own. I don't really need anybody. I got that. And then you start being more of a caregiver or more of a parent to your parent. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that can relate to that. For sure. Um, And that seems like a totally normal life and it is a normal life. But for me personally, I was always looking for that in a boyfriend or in friendships. It's like, I'm not going to let you too close because I don't want to be disappointed, you know? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, here comes this big black dog and it's just like, wow. And he's a badass, you know, like he can attack. He had shits. He was Schutzen trained. He's so lovable. He ended up becoming a therapy dog before he died. So he can bite you. He could bite you. He could sit there and read a book with you if you were three (laughs) years old. You know, he's, he was my everything. You know, he really was. And I felt so safe, you know, for the first time in my life, you know, I could walk into a park in Compton with this dog and just, I remember like the faces like, whoa, you know, it's like that dog is very well trained, you know, and I would always take credit, even though I didn't train, you know, <laughs> as he was amazing off leash. And it's just like, all of a sudden it's like, wow, I can't really do anything I want. No one's going to attack me. No one's going to bother me. You know, I just put daddy in the front seat of the car, put my purse around his neck, go into that house that I'm a little scared to go in to go talk to somebody. 
and he's growling, you know, he's just on command to growl and just, you know, and it's just, I think back, it's like, I just felt like, yeah, that, that dog truly has my back. But the only thing that I didn't anticipate, it's like, okay, be careful for what you wish for, because I wanted a dog that was just 24 seven, like just had my back all the time, you know, or I just wanted not even a dog necessarily, but just a being or somebody to love me because I was really, and I'm still am just a very, you know, scared person. I'm like somebody that is a leader, but yet I don't really want to be around people that much, you know? So I need to be alone a lot. Hello, Clancy, separation anxiety that, you know, it's like this dog, not only it was like the worst case I've ever seen of separation anxiety where he would self-mutilate. I mean, he was nuts. And as we got tighter, you know, it's like, he it just was obsessed. Yeah, it got worse. And, you know, after a while, I just said, okay, so I started making major changes in my life. You know, I, he had a nanny that had to be with him when I traveled or did anything for work. I had to find a babysitter. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm serious because he was that bad. You know, he broke his teeth. He broke his nails. Oh. I remember going to the emergency room with him one night on the West side we walked in, it looked like he had been in a bloodbath of the fight and everybody was giving us dirty looks. And I remember being so angry and just saying, you know what, he fought himself and no one would believe it. Everybody thought, you know, it's like this dog probably killed another dog and he had torn his face up and everything on his crate, you know, so. Poor baby, man. Ah, yeah. I mean, he was just like the best dog. So, I mean, he, all of them have changed my life, you know, but I think he had such a profound effect because he gave me an opportunity and a window to connect with people that would never have spoken to me in a million years because I had this dog and it's just like they, like a common conversation would be, Hey, do you mind if I ask you something like, where did you get that dog? Or how did you guys end up together? You know, we were weird looking together, you know, and it's like, and he was just so into me and I was so into him and we were just, anybody could see us together. I mean, we were just, you know, constantly in each other's worlds, you know, and, you know, I always said, I have to be careful for what I asked for with him because there were times when I would discipline a dog and he would know that I didn't go far enough. And he would, he was great with dogs. He would do it and he would really do it. And it was scary. So he had some dog fights and things, but just such an amazing soul. I mean, just so deep. I love this idea of how in tune he was with you. Yes. He would know if you needed to like let a dog learn something or, yes. Or he would know that what you wanted was someone who had your dog, your, your back 24 seven. And so yeah. he was like, I'll be the dog that provides that uh-huh. to the extent that I'll hurt myself. Yes. Just his, inc- like that, that match, that sort of match match. I mean, they're all amazing. And you know, I'm like you that I want every animal to have a, a free mm-hmm. life and a happy life. Like I, I do really incredulously, naively want that. And I have affection for all of them, but then there's those little those matches that it's about that time in your life. It's about what you need. And I love that you said you don't need that anymore. No, no. Um, that's important. And it's a helpful thing to hear as my Ophelia, who's that, you know, who's my Clancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I have had that thought yet, you know, as I fear for what's to come that idea that like, I don't need the recovery that she brought me, mm-hmm. you know, like that is beautiful. And I will always hurt a little bit mm-hmm. to be in recovery without her. Mm-hmm. 
But to be a person who didn't have that and needed her in order to get there, I'm not that person anymore. Right. And that's a really remarkable thing for me to hear today. Mm-hmm. Thank it's, you for that. It's really important to realize that and just to, it really taught me to, well, it's still teaching me, it's really enjoy what's happening right now because you know, it may not be, you know, I'm definitely not where I plan to be in life, but it's so much better, you know? Lori, what's so amazing about you is that whenever we talk about animals, whenever we talk about dogs, it ends up being about like people and trauma and your real life and how to look at life. Like it's one of my favorite things. And it's always been that way with you. Like you always take it way beyond to like the stuff that I think is easy to overlook. It's so easy to be like, oh, this is what my dog is doing or not doing or the color of her fur or the things or whatever the things are. It's You just, you don't keep it superficial, which I really appreciate. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it goes back to my childhood. I just really, since the time I was four years old, we had a German shepherd and it's just like, you know, people grow up and it's like, as a kid, you adapt to things and whatever's lacking, you know, if you're a bright child and you're looking around and it's like, hey, you know, this dog seems like she's got her shit together. You know, she knows what's going on. You know, so I spent so much time with our German Shepherd and it's just like, you know, I was fascinated by just like how she'd handle things, why she would bark at certain people, why she wouldn't bark at certain people. And I still look at the world that way. It's just like, it's all about energy, you know, and she bit a few people and I I still, my mom loves this story. You know, it's like if Heidi did anything wrong, my mom was grabbing you by like the sweater saying, what the hell did you do to this dog to make her do this? You know, the dog's fault. I mean, this is back in the seventies. Nobody did lawsuits, but it's just, it was never her fault. So you're taking it totally different than what we do now. You know, it's like, you know, this dog is just an A plus dog and she would never do anything bad. You kids, you kids are the problem. (laughs) We should get rid of you. So, you know, that's like an interesting take on from that mother. Yeah, that's how I grew up. So she's a major animal lover. My whole family is and was. And um, but if you're a kid that's kind of lonely and just, you know, a loner and I was a very um, I still am a very quiet person. So I spent a lot of time just sitting and staring and observing things, you know, and I still would much rather be an observer than the person that's talking. I need some of that in my, <laughs> not only in my, my psyche, but in my home. It's just a bunch of people who talk all the time. I've had friends who are therapists who come in and go, wow, no one's not talking here ever. And I'm like, welcome to the Friedman household. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry that you're here. Um, Lori, what can, what can people expect next from Downtown Dog Rescue? What is next? What is What are your next goals, dreams? And how can people be a part of that by following you and, and get on the ride? Yeah, so I think the next thing is really for us to continue with the counseling aspect. And I'm not even sure, you know, because of COVID, everything that I kind of wanted to do has kind of gone out the window because you can't meet in groups and all this stuff. And and slowly we're getting back to normal but what i what i foresee is is really the counseling aspect but also increasing the access to veterinarian care so you know my my next like dream you know my dream was to have my own kennel and that's amazing and i just pinch myself every day i can't believe you know how how beautiful you know my life is I would say the next phase is to to get to a point where either I can fund 
help or actually create like when you go into CVS to a minute clinic, that's what I want to do for pets. So you go see an RVT or you go see somebody that's a step down from a veterinarian that can just advise you. They can't really treat you, but they can also tell you, hey, this is really nothing, you know, or you can wait a little longer because so much, as we know, of animal surrendering happens. It's a crisis. It's a panic moment. It's I can't afford the $5,000 quote, never thinking that you'd ever go out and get another quote. You know, it's the only thing you do in your life where you just you have no no resources like you don't go out and spend $20,000 for a car when you want to spend 2000, you know, it's just totally, it's crazy. And you feel vulnerable and you feel, you know, all these things. So just to have access to a straight opinion that really has no agenda and can't really, they're not there to make a profit off you or whatever you think, which I don't believe that vets are, but don't wait until it's an emergency room visit, you know? So that's, even though we're not vets, I have to say, we do give a little medical advice, you know, and we always preface it with, we are not veterinarians, RVTs, but we have seen ringworm before, or we've seen DX mange. And and that's kind of what it's looking like. You know, your pet is, should not be put to sleep, you know, and it's just, people don't know, you know, people need community. They need help. They need support. They need someone to talk to. They need someone to listen And that's, I think, what you provide. Where do people follow you and learn about the minute clinics that you will be uh, creating one day for? (laughs) (laughs) One day soon. Um, Downtown Dog Rescue. The website isn't as like up to date as I think our Instagram or Facebook. I would say on social media, you'll really see even like Instagram, just some of the things we'll post for stories, just things for people to think about where we're at, what we're thinking about, and hopefully adopt some dogs along with it. (laughs) I call you the mother Teresa of animal rescue. Hope that's, hope that's not intimidating. (laughs) And I really do think though, that you are a pioneer and you've you've always led the way for me and for so many and I'm so glad that you came on the show so that this wonderful community of listeners at the animal that changed you can be led by you too thank you thank you for having me thanks for coming Lori Thanks for tuning in to The Animal That Changed You, a weekly podcast that features extraordinary people talking about the extraordinary animal that changed their life. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at The Animal That Changed You and tell your friends. If you've got a story about an animal that's changed your life, DM me, tell me about it, or or tag us. We would love to hear. We appreciate you, and honestly, we love your animals so much. Thanks for being here. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D.com.